Hollywood On Ramp, the podcast where we interview successful people in Hollywood about how they got to where they are today. I'm Jay Troutman, and today we're going to bring to you a conversation with supervising sound editor and sound designer, Eric Adal. Um, Eric's new movie is Transformers Rise of the Beasts, and he's worked on so many different things uh, over the last 20 years as both sound editor and sound designer. We'll get into what that means a little bit later. If you'd rather watch this interview, it's available at youtube.com slash Hollywood On Ramp. I hope you enjoy this interview with Eric, and if you do, please subscribe so you'll be notified of future episodes. Hi, Eric. Hello. Thanks so much for doing this interview today. Uh, we're talking just before the newest Transformers movie comes out, Rise of the Beasts. Is this your seventh Transformers movie? This would be my seventh one. Yeah, I'm one of the handful of people who's done all seven. Yeah. That's amazing. So how did you get involved with Transformers in the first place? So um, my partner, Ethan Vanderein, um, we've been working together now for almost 17 years. Um, before we started working together, I knew him kind of socially through New Zealand connections. Um, he had been working in years for years um, on the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings films. And uh, we met around the time um, uh, he was doing The Two Towers, the second film. And at the time, I was working as a sound designer and um, also teaching a class at USC. And he came and did a guest lecture uh, with my students talking about creating Treebeard's voice. And so we kind of became friends then and we we're looking for something to work on together. And uh, he was offered Transformers um, and uh, the very first one and then came to me and asked if I was interested in doing the sound design for it. So that was summer 2006 uh, when I got started on that. And uh, yeah, and then we've been doing them ever since. That's amazing. So what kind of challenges do you have creating sounds for a movie that you've done so many times? Yeah, so the, the challenge is to keep it fresh and always try to challenge ourselves in, in new ways. Um, you know, so sound design wise, the Transformers films are, are very complicated. You've got, you know, these giant robots. Um, our goal is that each robot should have its own sonic signature and sound unique. Um, so Optimus Prime, for example, is based on air. You know, he's a semi-truck. So we thought, okay, air brakes. And he's kind of the leader with sort of lofty uh, no, noble sensibilities. So air seemed like the appropriate kind of like sonic signature to give, give him. And then the other characters, you know, Bumblebee, we based on bee buzzes and buzzing sounds. And um, so every film we've introduced new tra Transformer characters and the goal has been to give each one its own sonic signature. And obviously in the new Transformers film, we have got a bunch more characters, including the Maximals, which are kind of animal-based characters. So we had a lot of fun playing with, with that side of it. And of course, um, the character Mirage is kind of a key new Autobot character. So um, giving him his own sound, in addition to Pete Davidson's great vocal performance, um, was kind of a, a key challenge in this movie. I remember when we worked together many years ago on The Man with the Iron Fists, and yeah. you had done a few Transformers movies by then, I think. 
And you brought us into your office and showed us how you used some spinning magnets and different things like that to create the sounds of transforming. Um, putting animals into the mix, what inspired you this time around? Yeah, um, so yeah, the animals was a, a big part of it. Um, we One of my favorite things to go out into the field and record are animals. I'm an animal person. Um, my wife and I foster a lot of animals, so at any given time we'll have extra dogs or cats in the house. We already have chickens and cockatiels and four dogs and three cats. Um, recently we had a pig living with us. Um, she's already going into the new uh, Godzilla movie as a character. <laughs> and, um, and so for Transformers we went out and you know, recorded large animals you know we the maximals we have optimus primal who um voiced by ron perlman who's this big gorilla um we've got uh Cheetor, who's a cheetah um we have rhinox who's a big rhino um it's funny when we recorded the rhino uh you know you'd think they'd make a lot of sound but um Really, the only sounds this rhino made for us was chewing his food. <laughs> so we had to use a little bit of creative license with him. But with Cheetor, those are actual like large uh, predator cat recordings. We used a combination of tiger, um, leopard, puma. Uh, we did not get an actual cheetah for it, but um, we used the feline uh, part of the animal kingdom. And... Um, yeah, and then uh, for uh, Optimus Primal, um, a lot of that actually is, it's a hodgepodge of many different things. Well, one of them is uh, one of my dogs who has very emotive sounds when recorded at high frequencies and slowed down back in the studio create really chesty kind of emotive sounds. So, um, uh, and there is a little bit of primate uh, in there as well. Um, but uh, mostly our, our own kind of voices for the big chuffs. Um, and some, some, uh, some of the design as well for, for the Maximals was um, made by Dave Whitehead, who's a, a great sound designer that we worked with uh, a few times. And as you know, he's working on the new Dune movie as well. So um, it really was a big team collaboration putting together all the new, all the new sounds from the movie. Supervising sound editor versus sound designer. Um, I know you've taken both of those credits. Could you kind of describe mm -hmm. what the difference is, if there is really a difference, and, and what it is that you really do on a movie like Transformers? Yeah, yeah. So the title supervising sound editor um, is a title that I share with my partner, Ethan Vanderein. And what that title encompasses is um, the supervising sound editor is basically in charge of the sound of the movie um, that doesn't include the music department. So that would be our the entire team, which includes the Foley department, Foley supervisor, Foley artists, um, our ADR dialogue supervisor, our dialogue editing team, our sound effects editors, um, and sound designers. So the supervising sound editors kind of oversee all of that, hire everybody, and kind of are the um, main interface with uh, the director and the picture department and then we obviously we over oversee the mix um a sound designer you know sometimes the supervising sound editor will also be 
you know, a, a sound designer. Um, and that's the case for us. We're in the trenches. We actively go and, you know, create the sounds used in the movie, um, which is what we consider sound design, the creation of new, novel, fresh sound ingredients to, to use in the film. So um, not all supervising sound editors also sound design, but, uh, but we do. That's, for me, my favorite part of the process. I, the management part, I like to get that over with so I can have, do the fun part, which is make some sounds. So you make the sounds and then you were editing them to the picture. Yes. And then uh, once the, the film is locked, the picture edit is locked, you finished all your sound editing, then the sound gets mixed together. What's your working process with a mixer? Yeah, um, the mix is <clears throat> such a critical part of the process, obviously. You know, I, I kind of think, to use a metaphor, I kind of think of, um, you know, uh, the sound editing as kind of being the composing, you know, as if a, a, a music composer were composing a, an opera, for example. And then the mix, it, to use the same metaphor, the mix is kind of like what the conductor does. You know, so he, all the musicians come together, all the music is written, and okay, more flutes here, more percussion here, um, more dialogue, sound effects. That's where we balance everything, put it into Dolby Atmos, uh, that surrounds us and and our interaction is super collaborative you know we're there with the mixers and we're always coming up with new ideas there's a lot of sound design that happens on the mix stage um, for a number of reasons we get new ideas or oh music's doing something different here now we're gonna re you know adjust like our tempos and pitches to line up better with the music um, new VFX coming in, whatever it is, um, the, the mix is kind of where, okay, everything kind of comes together and you've got just so much time before the concrete cures. Um, and that's, that's where the, the big deadlines are. You know, we, you gotta, it's like climbing Mount Everest and you know where you gotta get by the time the studio cuts us off because right. the movie needs to get into theaters. <laughs> So was sound something you were always interested in um, and sound for, for films? Like growing up, I think you grew up in the Bay Area. Um, were you aware of other mm -hmm. filmmakers around there? Were you aware of, of sound design? How did you kind of find out about this part of the process? Well, I, I was definitely aware of, um, you know, some of the filmmaking going on in the Bay Area. Um, you know, Lucasfilm was based in the North Bay, just a car drive away from where I grew up. Um, so, you know, that was actually when I got my driver's license, first thing I did was try to find Skywalker Ranch. <laughs> and, um, but uh, before that, um, you know, I, I started playing piano when I was five years old and um and my father uh, had a small software company, so there were always computers around the house. And um, by the time I was about 10 years old, I started using MIDI and with, you know, old Sound Blaster sound card to compose music. And, um, and at the same time, I was making movies. My dad gave me his first 8mm actual film camera, and I would do stop-motion animation with that. And then I moved on to video cameras and started making movies um, with my friends. And uh, 
you know, this was all through middle school and high school, and it was all kind of for fun. Um, I never thought I would could do something that fun for a living. Um, I, my parents had let me convert the dining room into a deck-to-deck uh, -deck, uh, picture editing and sound mixing room for my movies, and I started doing documentaries in high school. And it wasn't until I... Uh, started applying for college that um, I thought, oh, well, maybe, you know, I, I was going to go into pre-med. And so I was like going to be a biology major. And of the eight universities I was considering, it was all pre-med except for one. And that was USC. And I applied to double major um, biology and film production. And uh, <clears throat> I was accepted. And um but decided instead to to go to Stanford. And a couple weeks after the semester had started, I realized, huh, I'd shut a door. And I could feel I was having trouble sleeping. I was felt nauseous, trouble eating. Um, like my body was telling me that I didn't make the right decision for myself. So um, I called up USC, asked, hey, can I still come? They said, sure. And the next day I was in Los Angeles, instantly could sleep, felt great. <laughs> and so I continued double majoring for about three years. And then um, uh, the workload just got too crazy. Um, so I had to pick like, okay, do I stick with film production or go, go to biology? And my mom wasn't so happy about it when I chose to go full in into film production, but uh, she changed her mind years later when she was my date to the Oscars. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, uh, I kind of I loved focusing on sound when I was in film school, and um, I was a supervisor at the John Williams Scoring Stage, which was on campus, and doing scoring sessions and doing sound design and Foley for my films and friends films. And, um, and when I graduated, I got a couple of job offers, one going into more production office and the other going in more into sound. And I noticed that the sound teams I'd met, they just seemed a lot happier. Um, it was more jovial. They were, seemed to be having more fun. So um, I decided to continue on my sound trajectory. And my first job was uh, working a night shift as um, an assistant dialogue editor. Um, that's what got me into the union. I was doing NYPD Blue, loading production dailies off of Quarter Inch, and did that for a year and then started sound effects editing in television. Um, very first season of Family Guy and um, also the first season of Law & Order Special Victims Unit. And, um, and then uh, did TV for a few years and then got in, into features um, yeah, about 20 years ago. How does that work? I know on the picture side, a lot of people are in either reality TV and trying to get into scripted or in scripted TV and trying to get into features. And now it's a lot more fluid, but back then I think <laughs> it was probably a completely different group of people doing sound for features than doing sound for, for TV. So how did you navigate that move? Yeah, I mean, I think it still is a little kind of regimented, um, but uh, it was, you know, it's all through the people you meet and your, your 
professional relationships. And at the TV place I was working, um, a feature supervisor came in to do this um, miniseries. It was the first Dune miniseries. And the supervisor's name was Jay Wilkinson. And so I worked with him on this, this miniseries, and it went great. And uh, we got an Emmy nomination, and he invited me. He said, hey, you know, if you're interested, come over to Fox and, you know, work with us there. So um, I, I did. And one of my first movies was X-Men 2 over there. And, um, yeah, and then the rest is history. I just kept kept doing features. And I was kind of staff at, at Fox and then went freelance um, with uh, uh the Terrence Malick movie, The New World, and um, and then Superman Returns after that. And that was right right after that is when I started working uh, with Ethan, and, and we founded our company, E-Squared. So was that, was that a big move for you? Um, was that at the same time you sort of made the jump from being on staff to supervising and having a staff of your own? Um, yeah, that, that was kind of, you know, now it's like, of course I needed to do that. That's, you know, <laughs> obvious, but at the time it was, um, it felt really kind of dangerous and, um, you know, cause I had a solid gig. I could work year round, year after year and not worry about that part of it. And, um, when I kind of jumped, uh, it, it was kind of a, a leap of faith. I'm like, okay, let's see if I can pull this off on my own. And, um, but fortunately I had, I had no trouble continuing, uh, to keep working. And, um, you know, and then the next leap of faith was when Ethan and I started E squared. Um, cause there's a lot of hurdles to that. Um, you know, it's, I think the studios don't quite like independence. Um, it's kind of competition maybe. And, and we had to, you know, become a union signatory and post bond for the pension plan and, you know, all this complicated stuff that isn't anything about what I love about sound <laughs> and the creative part of it. But in a way, we kind of needed to do that to have um, have more creative autonomy. And um, and it's worked out great. Were there people um, like directors or producers that you knew at that time who you had an expectation or, or had an indication that they would want to work with you guys if you did break off and do your own thing? Yeah, um, well, we had already established a great um, working relationship with Michael Bay, and um, he wanted to keep working with us. Um, we had established a relationship with DreamWorks Animation, um, on the Kung Fu Panda movie. Um, so yeah, those, those really Michael and DreamWorks that kind of got us got us going for the first few years. Looking at yeah. your uh, filmography, it's clear that you tend to work with a lot of the same people multiple times, um, like Michael Bay. Um, I think mm. you're working with Gareth Edwards now, and you had done his Godzilla movie, and um, I'm sure there are, there are many others. Um, what do you think it is that uh, makes people want to come back to working with you guys? Is is there's something consciously that you're doing that um, to try to get that kind of return business? Um, well, I, I will say that we have never once gone out and tried to get a client. Um, a client a filmmakers come to us 
because and I, I think it's because they they like our work and what we bring to the table. You know, we're definitely not passive sound people creatively. Like we really grab the bull by the horns and engage creatively in in I think a very strong way where you know on some movies we suggest visual effects and picture edits um like a quiet place for example um where sound is so central to the storytelling uh you know it's it should be a part of the process um from the very beginning creating the sound for a movie not something you do at the end which is often how it's thought about so i think that kind of philosophy of um really trying to do something unique and special and not being afraid to pitch weird ideas. Um, I think, I think that's what excites a lot of filmmakers. And, um, like you said, you know, a lot of the directors we work with, we've worked with a bunch. Um, and, and I think it's, it's because of that. It's a, it's a true collaboration. That's great. For someone who's, who's trying to get started now in, uh, in sound, what would you say to them? Like, what's what would be a shortcut to get them on the path that you you're on now? Yeah, well, the kind of amazing like if you're just getting started now, the amazing thing is <clears throat> the technology has advanced so much where you can do a pretty close to feature quality job on a laptop right now where. You know, when I got started, like, you know, the best software and the strongest computer could run just like eight tracks at once, you know, um, in a home environment, you know, unless you're spending a quarter million dollars on a Fairlight or, you know, at, at the time, Pro Tools were very expensive, too, but, and had big limitations. Um, now you can you really can self teach. And, you know, I think so on a technical level. All the tools are there for at, at home to learn what you need to learn. Um, on a creative level, I think the most important thing is to listen to your favorite sound jobs, you know, the, the movies that you love. Listen to them and then try to reverse engineer what it is that they did. And, and, and I think that, that creative process is... Um, maybe one of the most important things that you can do and then you know and then put together a demo reel and go out there and uh you know put yourself out there there's there's more work now i think than there's ever been with uh streaming happening there's just so much content and and people that are really good um up and comers there's there's going to be a lot of open doors um so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm quite happy that I started in television um, as opposed to features because it did teach me how to work really quickly and make like commit to decisions and not waffle around and second guess and create million options for something like I, I just uh, I learned it was kind of trial by fire learning how to work really quickly and make choices um, so I do recommend, um, that path to really get your creative chops and, and muscles toned, um, before getting into the feature world. Great. Well, 
Thanks so much, Eric. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, but Transformers is coming out now. What else do we have to look forward to from you the rest of the year? So, yeah, Transformers is coming out this weekend. And um, after that, we have The Creator coming out, Gareth Edwards' movie, which we're also very excited about. I'm very excited about that one, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. We love the movie. It's so great. Um, so that's in September. And then uh, then we have Godzilla and Kong, the new empire as well. So a bunch of things in the pipeline. A lot of big, lot of stuff. Great. Well, well, thanks again, Eric. This was really, really insightful. And uh, best of luck to you in the future. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Eric Adal. I think Eric had great advice about anyone looking to break in and uh, what you can do today to uh, practice your craft, break down what other people are doing in sound design. And uh, the tools are so available and affordable now. You can really build a real practice your craft. And uh, if you're excited about doing this kind of work, you can learn how to do it and create great things and get noticed. Please subscribe and we'll see you next time on Hollywood On Ramp.